It's good to see all of you today. Welcome home. Um, we are in a series this week called Follow the Leader. Let me grab this clicker really quick. Um, we're in a series called Follow the Leader, and last week Kyle talked to us about a lot of different stuff. And I talked to him, and he said, you know, it was kind of difficult for me um, to really get a point, like one thing that I can really pinpoint on. He normally has a big idea, right? Kyle's kind of a big idea guy, and it's awesome. Um, But he didn't really have something that he could fall onto, really. So I picked something out that I liked, um, and I just wanted to to reiterate it. Um, Make following Jesus a choice you make, not a feeling you feel. I thought we could all kind of be reminded of this today, because it's a very important truth for us, right? Sometimes it doesn't always feel good to follow Jesus, but it's always the right choice. I mean, thank you, or Welcome to all of those who are joining us online as well. Um, so Kyle spoke a lot of truth last week, and I'm glad that this is part of it, because I'm actually stealing part of this later in the sermon. Um, and it's funny that we may, whenever we're following someone or following whoever it might be, whether it's our mom or our dad or our best friend, um, we make decisions to follow them every single day in whatever ways that we might that they might be leading us to follow them, right? So there's this story. There's this pastor of this really really large church. His name's Craig Groeschel. If you don't know who he is, he's a big leadership guy. Um, And he set an example once for his son. And I would like to share with you um, that story that he set for his son um, whenever it comes to leadership, right? So he sets this example. Um, He, his son, is young, probably four, five years old, and he gets a scooter for his birthday. And his dad, you know, being the dad that he is, is really excited about it. His first set of wheels, he's really excited, you know, and so He shows his son some cool stuff, and he lets his son drive it around in the parking lot. But what his dad does is he takes, so Craig takes this scooter out to this hill. It's right in front of their house. And he drives it down this hill really, really fast and goes faster and faster and faster until he crests at the bottom, right, and starts to slow down and lose momentum. Well, he does it a couple times to show his son how to do it. He's setting an example for his son to do what he did. Um, And so he then gives the scooter to his son, takes him up to the top of the hill, encourages him, gets him excited, gets him ready to go down this hill really, really fast. His son starts to take off down the hill, and he picks up speed, and he picks up momentum, and he begins to go a little faster and a little faster. And of course, as any four or five-year-old boy might do, he begins to get shaky and falls off and breaks his femur, breaks his leg. Um, what an example to follow, right? Like his dad didn't fall off, but um, that to say that we all follow examples every single day, um, whether we're a kid or an adult, whether we're 85 or three, right? We're all following the example of someone. Um, and that leads us directly into what I want to talk to us about today. It's about great leadership, because great leaders follow great examples. Now, that's not to say that Craig Groeschel's son won't be a great leader someday, but he will have, you know, part of a broken femur, that memory in his head from the example that he followed, right? But it's important because if we want to be great leaders and if we want to follow great leaders, we have to follow a great example that great leaders provide. And the great example that Christians get to follow typically is Jesus, right? Non-Christians or Christians alike, we look to Jesus for leadership most of the time. And I think it's just kind of funny. You know, if you're a business person, if you're somebody who likes to have influence, if you've got Instagram followers, I think the one person who has more influence than anyone ever would be Jesus. I mean, he started out with just 12 people, right? But now there's like 
a billion people on the earth, maybe more than that, who know of Jesus, right? So if you want to have influence in your business, you probably should get behind the leadership of Jesus, right? Because he knows a lot of people. He's got a lot of influence. And there's nobody who has more influence on this world than the God who created it, right? So let's follow Jesus, and there's no better place to follow Jesus if we want to follow his example than to look to his example of washing his disciples' feet. And that comes from John chapter 13. If you want to turn there with me, you can. Get on your Bible app if you want to. And I'm just going to share with us this story. I want to give you the opportunity to read that later so the Holy Spirit can speak to you in whatever way he wants to. Um, but I'm just going to kind of go over the story a little bit, tell you how it is, um, and then we'll, we'll dive in right after that. So Jesus and his disciples, they are up in this upper room, and they're getting ready for the Passover festival, which is just another fancy meal that they're having throughout the year. And they just so happen to be reclining together all at this table, and Jesus is presiding over the meal. That means he's basically in charge. He's going to break the bread and pass out the wine and all that stuff. Jesus is presiding over the meal. And everyone's reclining, and everyone's just kind of doing their thing, and we're hanging out, and we're just chumming like a family would do at dinner time, right? They're just kind of hanging out at the table. Um, and then the disciples notice that Jesus gets up. He stands up, and he walks over, and he takes off his tunic, and he puts on a towel around his waist and tightens it down. And he walks over, grabs a basin and some water, pours it in, and begins to walk over to his disciples, and I'm imagining in my head this kind of awkward silence, right? The disciples are like, wait, wait, hold on, hold on. What's about to happen, right? Like, Peter's looking over at somebody else, right? And he's just like, wait, did you forget to get the guy who's supposed to wash the feet? Like, did we forget this seriously again this time? Um, And so Jesus begins to walk over to the disciples, and he begins to wash their feet, right? They don't have shoes on most of the time, so he begins to wash their feet and wipe them off with a towel that's wrapped around his waist. Um, And so as he's doing that, you know, there's like this awkward kind of stony silence. Gosh, I hate awkward moments, right? There's this awkward silence going on, and they get to Peter, and Peter's like, the first person to speak up, right? Nobody else has said anything. At least it doesn't tell us that anybody said anything. And Peter speaks up and he's like, whoa, 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 Jesus, hold on there. You can't wash my feet. And Jesus is like, Peter, you don't understand. Okay, look, if I don't wash your feet, you've got no place with me. Okay, and Peter's like, okay, okay, well, if, if I'm going to have a place with you, you might as well wash my head and my hands and my feet and everything else too while you're at it. And Jesus is like, Peter, and you talk too much. And so, you know, that's how the story, he doesn't really say that. But um, So after that encounter with Peter, Jesus finishes washing his disciples' feet, goes and puts the basin and takes the towel off, puts his tunic back on, and takes his place back presiding over the meal, the guy in charge, right? And then he begins to teach his disciples, and at the very end he says, the slave is not greater than his master, right? So if I have done to you this thing, then go and do to others. And so... Here we get this really awesome story. There's some awkward silence, and there's like some drama, and there's some arguing, and it's really, it's a really, a really cool story. Read it later. Um, but I just want to zoom in on a few verses that show us Jesus's example. Okay, so we can follow his example into leadership. Okay, the first set of verses comes from John 13, verses two and three. If you want to look at those with me, I'll read it to you. It says, "It was time for supper." And the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. And Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything, and that God, and that he had come from God 
and would return to God. Right? So here, we get to learn a few things that the disciples at the time didn't have the luxury of knowing. Okay? So we learn that Jesus had come from God, which some of them understood that, right? Because Peter said that Jesus was the Messiah, but they didn't necessarily know that he was going to return to God. They still believed that Jesus was going to be the king and he was going to like kick their dirty Romans out of town, right? Like That's what the disciples believed, but we get the luxury of knowing that because John wrote this after the crucifixion, right? So we get the luxury of knowing that Jesus is returning to God. We also get the luxury of knowing that Judas was going to betray Jesus later that day, which the disciples would not have known that at that time. Those are good, those are good points to, to, to zoom in, okay? Don't, don't forget those two things. Because whenever we get into this situation where Jesus has just washed his disciples' feet and he goes and he begins to teach them, okay, if we remember this, we can start to look at and see and kind of start to define the price that Jesus had to pay to be where he is. Okay, so we've learned from verse 2 that Judas was going to betray Jesus, and we learned from verse 3 that Jesus came from God and was going to return to God, right? I don't know what it's going to be like in heaven, but I don't think I would want to give that up. You understand what I'm saying? Like, Jesus gave that up to be with his disciples this day. I can only imagine in his head the vivid images, the imagery of heaven that he, gets, that he knows of, Right? the stuff that God gives him on the daily because of his obedience, right? Like Jesus gave up sitting at the right hand of the Father in order to serve humanity, in order to give up his life for everyone. It cost him a lot to be here and to be the Savior. He wasn't thinking selfishly, right? But he was serving his people, serving his disciples, serving like he wanted to do, in obedience to God. And so this is where we get to our very first point. Serving others, it should cost us something. It should. Look, 99% of the time, serving others, it's going to cost us our time. We know that. If you think about it, in any service industry that you might be in, or any service area that you might be involved in, it's going to cost you your time. Now, there are certain instances where you can send someone else to do the job that somebody might have asked of you, which so it doesn't cost you time, but it does cost them time, so it's costing time no matter what, right? So serving them should cost time. And there's a good chance that it's going to cost some money as well. We often say time is money, right? So if you're giving of your time, you might also be giving of your money, but if you're serving someone who doesn't necessarily have as much as you, there's a good chance that money's going to be involved in some way, right? And there's two other things that we don't often think about whenever we think of serving someone that it might cost us. It's going to cost us some pride, and it's going to cost us dignity. What's dignity, Garrett? Well, I looked up the definition. It's the state or quality of being worthy of respect. You see, in this example, in Jesus' example, he didn't care about dignity, He didn't care about who was looking at him or what was going on on the outside of this meal. He was with his disciples, and he didn't care what they thought. If he took the position of a Gentile slave, it didn't matter. Look, in this situation, we've got Jesus giving up his time, giving up his dignity, giving up his pride. And what's the significance of him washing their feet? Well, it's said that a wife might wash her husband's feet in this culture, right? 
thousands of years ago. A wife might wash her husband's feet. A child might wash a father's feet. And a disciple in extreme, extreme cases might wash their master's feet, their rabbi's feet, the teacher's feet. But the rabbi, the teacher, to wash his disciples' feet? They said that a Jewish slave, anybody even affiliated with God, could not do this task. It was reserved for the lowest of the low of slaves in this culture. And Jesus does it. So he goes from sitting at the right hand of the Father to slave. Lower than low, right? What did he give up? It cost him something. If it doesn't cost you your dignity, then I'm going to ask you, whose example are you following? Because this is the idea here, okay? If serving Jesus is beneath you, or if serving is beneath you, then so is Jesus. If you're too prideful to serve, if you're too, too afraid of getting dirt on your clothes, you have to think about who you're, whose example you're following and who you're serving. If you're too afraid to do something difficult, Whose example are you following? I'm just going to ask you that again. Whose example are you following if serving is beneath you? And that takes me to another point. Okay, and it comes from the part in the story where Peter and Jesus have this kind of interaction, right? So right before this next verse I'm about to go to, Jesus um, is washing the disciples' feet, and there's like this awkward silence. And then they, he gets to Peter, and Peter's like, whoa, no, Jesus, like, you can't wash my feet. Like, you're God, and I'm, I'm not, and I'm supposed to be doing this to you, but you're not supposed to, definitely not supposed to be doing this to me because this is reserved for a Gentile slave, right? I'm doing this fast on purpose. Like, this is, like, I'm assuming Peter's kind of nervous, so I, I talk fast for Peter. Um, Jesus, you're not supposed to do this for me, right? Like, you're not supposed to, like, whoa, dude, like, what are you doing? And Jesus is like, Peter, if I don't wash you, you've got no part with me. And then Peter's like, well, if, like, you know what he says. He says, well, then wash all of me, right? That's what he's thinking. That's that idea in our heads. Like, if, well, if I'm going to have a part with you, then put me part with you. Make me part with you, the whole thing. And this comes right after that. Verses 10 and 11, it says, Jesus replied, a person who is bathed all over does not need to wash except for their feet to be entirely clean. And you disciples are clean, but not all of you. For Jesus knew who would betray him. Right? We learn that back in verse 2. And that is what he meant when he said, not all of you are clean. Look, Jesus already gave up everything to come to this earth, to walk with us. Like, we understand that, right? Like, he gave up his eternity in heaven with God for a little while to walk this earth with us to take on human flesh, to be tempted like we are tempted, to go through trials and pain like we go through trials and pain, to suffer, to be crucified, to be buried, and to rise again. He gave up a lot to come here and be tortured for the sake of us. And here's our next point. I stole it from Kyle's sermon last week, but it's worked so well together I had to put it up here again. Serving others should be a choice that we make, not a feeling that we feel. Let's be real, okay? Serving isn't always fun. It's not always easy. If you wear a suit and tie to the Lord's diner, you're probably going to get dirt on it. Right? Like, it's not always going to be 
fun. It's not always going to be easy. It's not always going to be the, the, like, the best, brightest, like, look at me thing to do. And it's not supposed to be. Jesus gives us that example. But for Jesus, and because in this situation, for Jesus, it wasn't a moment of feeling good, like, I'm going to teach my disciples something right now. No, it was his entire lifestyle was based on this idea of serving and giving up his life as a ransom. Giving up his life. It wasn't a moment of generosity with his time. It wasn't just a moment of generosity with what he was going to do and just remembering in this moment, like, I'm going to give up heaven for this. No, it was his entire lifestyle. It was a mindset shift. It was a choice for him. His mind, his heart, his life was for one sole purpose. It was to serve and to give. To be obedient to his Father. This is Jesus. This is the translation coming straight out of this, right? Your personal desires have to bow to the Father. I've got a story. One time um, last year, okay? This is a personal story. It has a little bit to do with it, but I thought it fit, right? So um, last year, before my mom passed away, or before she went into the hospital... I live on, just a little bit of backstory, I live on the very south side of town at this point um, in an apartment complex right next to the hospital. My mom lives on the very north side of town next to the Walmart in the apartment complex there that I grew up in. Okay? My mom texts me one day and she's get, she says, Garrett, I want you to go to the store for me. I said, what do you want? Um, I was, I was annoyed that she would ask me. I was thinking, my sister lives on 22nd Street. Like, she could do it. But like, why are you texting me to do this, right? And I don't know if this was a divine thing, but like, you know, shortly thereafter, she went to the hospital, but she says, Garrett, I want you to go get me pickles, right? And she didn't want just a small jar of pickles. She wanted like one of them big gallon jars of pickles. And I don't know why she wanted pickles, but she wanted them. And she asked me to go and get them for her. And so in all of my frustration and anger, I said, mom, I don't want to. I'm not doing it. I'm just kidding. I didn't really say that. I went and I swallowed my pride and I drove to the other side of town and I went into the store and got her pickles and took them to her. And I say that to you because I, I, I get it, right? And that's a small, funny situation. But serving others doesn't always feel good. It doesn't. It's not always easy. And that's on purpose. Why would it be easy to serve someone who you knew was going to stab you in the back just a few hours later. Verse 2, remember? We knew that Judas was going to betray Jesus, and yet Jesus washes all of his disciples' feet. He doesn't stop at Judas and say, whoa, back off, hold on, let me go around. He washes even the disciples' feet who he knew was going to betray him. The very person who was going to give him up to the Pharisees to go to his crucifixion. He washed his feet too. And it's not always easy to serve, but it's always the right choice. It's always the right example to follow. Serving. Let your personal desires bow to the Father's will. That's the example that Jesus gave us. I've got another point, but before we get there, I want to recap real quick. Two things that we've learned. Serving should cost us something, right? And... It's got to be a choice that we make, not a feeling that we feel. Because oftentimes our feelings are fleeting. And if we just served every time that we felt good, 
then we'd serve twice a month sometimes. I mean, for some people, you don't feel good for a long time, so, right? Let it be a choice you make, not a feeling you feel. And then we get to John 13, verses 12 through 15. And it says this. Sorry. After washing their feet, so Jesus finishes up, he put his robe back on again, sat down at the head of the table, and he asked, do you understand what I was doing for you? You call me teacher, you call me Lord, and you are right, because that's what I am. And since I, your teacher and your Lord, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. Jesus just said everything, and I just said, I mean, all I had to do was read that part, and we could have had this whole sermon basically done by now, right? He just said exactly what I've said. Do as I have done to you. But you see, this wasn't the first time that Jesus flipped the kingdom of the world on its head. It wasn't, okay? Jesus, from the very beginning of his ministry, was flipping the kingdom of the world upside down. He was saying, you can't go up the ladder. You've got to come down the ladder to become a slave and become a servant, like it says in Philippians chapter 2. He says, you can't work your way up. You have to come down. You have to become a servant of all people and everyone, everywhere, in order to be great in the kingdom of God. If you can't give up your dignity, you can't give up your pride, you can't be a part of this kingdom. He's saying, follow my example, not just literally in the situation where he's washing his disciples' feet. He's saying, what have I been doing with you over the past three years to his disciples? What have we been doing? We've been dining with sinners, going to eat with tax collectors, serving lepers and the poor, adulterers. We've been ruining our reputation with religious people because we're hanging out with people who aren't religious. Being with people who, 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 who our dignity and our pride say don't deserve it. And with Jesus, if we want to follow his example, this is where we land. See, washing feet is just the beginning. That's what Jesus is trying to say here. Follow my example. Do as I did. Don't just wash each other's feet. Eat with tax collectors and sinners. Don't just wash each other's feet. Go heal people, serve people, give of your time and your talent and your treasure. Do for others as I have done for you. Lay your life down for them because that's ultimately what Jesus did, right? He laid his life down. He says, follow my Example, this is the epitome of the entire story. It all leads up to this moment of teaching where Jesus is saying, do what I did, but not just what I just did. Do what I've always done. Follow my example, my lifestyle. Because look, serving isn't just a moment. It's a movement. It's more than just that fleeting feeling of, I can do something good for someone. It's that choice, that constant surrender to the Father's will, that constant surrender to what Christ has for you, good or bad or in between. It's choosing to serve someone, whether they're going to stab you in the back or turn away from you two hours later. It's choosing to serve someone who could never serve you or give you anything in return. It's choosing to serve your husband or your wife or your kids whenever you know they're just going to turn around and go astray anyway. It's choosing to serve no matter what. 
Because that's what following Jesus' example looks like. It's a movement of his entire life. It's the ups and the downs, the lefts and the right. It's serving all the time. It's the movement of God's spirit inside of him. And if the same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead lives inside of us, then that same movement is inside of us. Imagine with me your situation, your scenario with your wife or husband or your friends, your family, your mom, your dad, grandparents, your workplace, your situation, okay? Imagine with me. If serving was more than just a moment, if it was everything, if serving was more than just a good feeling that you would get afterward, It's more than a flash mob. It's more than a car care ministry or a Wednesday night or hosting a small group. All those things are great things to do. But what if your entire life was surrendered to this idea of service, of giving your life up for others, for people who follow you, for the people who are above you and around you? I have to say this. Because God gave it to me and I have to say it. What if the reason that you feel purposeless is because you're not surrendered to serving? What if the reason that it's hard to wake up in the morning is because you're focused on yourself and your own gains and your own desires and what you want instead of the desires of the Father? What if the reason that you hate your job or you hate going to school is because you keep thinking, what can I get out of this? Instead of what can I give up for this? I heard somebody told me this the other day, right? And oftentimes we as Christians, we come to a worship service hoping to be filled, hoping to be filled up, right? I don't know who said this, but... They said, you know, really, in reality, it's the opposite. Come to a worship serving, come to a worship service looking to give something away to the Father. Looking to give something away. Looking to serve. Looking to give. Looking to get rid of the time that you have. Because it's not yours anyway. It's never been about you. It's never been about your family. It's always been about the Father and being able to serve Him. Are you following Jesus' example? Because maybe we're not going to fly down a hill at 20 miles an hour and break our femur by following the examples of the world. But I tell you what, you will never find a greater purpose than following the example of Christ and giving your life up as a ransom for many. Giving your life up in service for others. Here's the big idea. Jesus' example means we can do what he did. I originally had should there. We should do what he did, right? But that's like that guilty, like Jesus is saying, if you don't do this, that means you're going to hell. There's that should, like that should mentality, that obligatory, you have to do this type of mentality. When in reality, Jesus has never said that. His example has never given that to us. It's never been a you should do this in order to do this. No, it's you can, will you? You have a call. Will you follow it? 
You have a purpose. Are you willing to lay everything down to follow that purpose? To give your life up for others? To do exactly what Christ is doing in this story? And showing us what we can do instead of what we should do. He says you can do even greater things than these. So go out. Don't just wash feet. Serve in greater, better ways than that. Heal. Give. Love. Show compassion to those who have never been shown compassion before. Go and do even greater things than Jesus because this spirit that's inside of him that creates this movement of service, this movement of his entire life being about other people, that spirit lives inside of you so you can go out and do exactly what he did. We can't be the savior and die on a cross for anybody, but we can definitely point people to him with what we do, with how we live our lives. If you don't want to be a great example, if you don't want to be a great leader, then don't follow this example. If you do, then serve. Whether they deserve it or not, whether you want to or not, and especially when it costs you something. Do what Jesus did. We stand together. I want us to think about today, right now. Where can you apply some of this stuff right now? What can you do when you go home to serve where it's probably going to cost you something where you have to make the choice instead of feeling like you want to where giving it all up actually is right like where can you go home and do something with this today because look if you're expecting the church to be the place that gives you every single one of your service opportunities are you really serving your community Because the church is a great place to come and get those opportunities and serve and to give of your time, to give of your love and your compassion for other people who need it desperately. But what are you doing at home with your family? What are you doing at the workplace? What are you doing at your school? What are you doing when you walk into Walmart to serve other people? Let's give it a try. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Have a good Sunday.